It's very interesting reading the Bible because it's very unlike a theological textbook. You look at theological textbooks and you find that there's sort of sections on uh, the Lord's coming, on sanctification and redemption, and you can look up the little section on the bit you want to read about. But when you read the Bible, you find it's all about people. And that's because God's interested in people. And because God isn't a God who has a whole lot of doctrines that he tries to work out but he has a whole lot of people that he relates to and that he loves and he cares about and he does it through redemption and sanctifying them and all the kind of things that we then often break down in our minds into, into little slots but it's important we don't forget to be people and to forget that God is number one interested in, in you and in me otherwise we can find ourselves always trying to press forward into things into knowledge, into activities, and into uh, understanding, and forget that life's about being you, and about being me, and about us knowing one another, and about knowing God, and enjoying sharing life together. Amen? I mean, at home, my wife and I do not have a manual and think, well, we're, we're going to work on... Uh, home economics today and then tomorrow well we think it's family day and then the following day it's about kissing you see we don't break life up into that those sort of lists we just get on and we sort of mix it all together just as how it all turns out anyone here similar to that good sounds like we're all pretty normal but otherwise as I say we can find ourselves getting pressurized in our own brain because we can feel we're not quite achieving it and we're uh, always like trying to press on and to go on with God. We're not quite sure what that means sometimes, going on with God. It means you just carry on walking with God, I suppose. Carry on loving God. Carry on developing the relationship. But uh, it'd be a bit like sort of Zacchaeus who climbed the tree and he said, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to go higher. And you think, no, you don't need to go higher. You need to come down. And sometimes we can, we can, we can be trying to press into areas of achievement and, and success in our life. And God sometimes says, well, come down, I want to meet you, I want to have tea with you, I want to have a meal with you, I want to have a relationship together with you. And we'll find that going on with God is very natural and very normal. He's made us to be spiritual people, he's made us to be natural people. And if God's done it, then it's, it's going to be just as easy to be natural as it is to be spiritual. Amen? I don't have to think about breathing, do you? No. I don't think, now I mustn't forget to breathe today, otherwise I could die. There's something within me that makes it happen all the time. Anyone like that? I'm very pleased to hear that. We find that God wants us to be just as natural in our, in our knowing of him. And therefore what we'll find is that we will meet him in everyday circumstances when he's going to teach us about himself. And therefore, like we were saying earlier on, sometimes things become a pressure, sometimes things happen so you have a need. And God wants us to use those occasions to trust him and to meet him. And I find my life's been very much like that. It's, I've learned most when things have gone wrong. Anyone found that? It's when you're saying help to God and God shows up that you find what it is for God to love you. And for me, 
One of the most uh, striking occasions was some years ago. In fact, I sent to God the other day, I said, God, a lot of my illustrations are getting very old. He says, well, it's a bit like your conversion. You can't invent another one, can you? Some things which are new every day, some things are like milestones in our life, like our conversion. So if ever I give my testimony, it's always the same. I don't get to say the different way next time I tell the story. And the way I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was a very, very real, meaningful thing that happened in my life. I can't invent another way. And there's certain events in my life that have changed my whole thinking. And uh, therefore, I make no apology for telling the, the same things. Because they were key times in helping me to avoid living in pressure and in fear. I used to be very scared of being a flop when I was a speaker. And I can remember one occasion being away for a weekend's ministry and had spent a nice time with the, the leader of the, of, the, of the church there and went to bed just to seek God and to prepare for what I was going to say the next day. And it was one of those occasions when the more I opened the word and read it, the less I got out of it. Anyone ever had that experience? Lord, I'm going to meet with you in the word today. Open the word. It's like there's nothing on the page. So you try harder and it's worse. Well, it's not too bad. That isn't quite so bad. But if you're speaking the next day, then it can become a pressure. So I thought, Lord, now, Lord, I just, I just bind this situation, Lord, and I receive your word. Lord, I thank you that I'm at rest in this matter. <laughs> Tried again and got nothing. So I then fished through some old notes of mine and, and tried to resurrect them. In Jesus' name, come alive. No. <laughs> Not quite like that. I'd given a very good work on, word on Luke 10 the week before, but it refused to live. <laughs> it half lived and then it died again. And as time went by, I was getting very late by now, so getting 12, 1 o'clock, it got to 2 o'clock in the morning, and all I got was a thumping headache. And this meeting loomed in front of me, but I would be announced at the speaker and I'd have nothing to say. So uh, I just committed it to God. Lord, I just commit this to you and, and went to sleep. And I had a nightmare. <laughs> and in my nightmare, I was in this enormous gathering, thousands of people, and there was, the, there was the, like a circle of chairs uh, in, in the middle of this great auditorium and there sitting on the chairs was all the, all the brothers we, I worked with and there was Arthur Wallace there and Hugh Thompson and Bryn Jones and everybody else and uh, I went and sat down with them all looking you know, very important and I stood up to, 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 to preach at which point Bryn Jones said out loud over the PA sit down <laughs> you are just about to minister complete death At which point, Arthur Wallace, in, 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 the, in the dream, in the nightmare, <laughs> said, Yes, he said, you always do. <laughs> and Hugh Thompson, God bless him, said, in the nightmare, Yes, he said, leave, now, and don't come back. Ah, oh, so I picked up my Bible. 
and, and walked out in front of these thousands of people. <laughs> totally humiliated, see. Suddenly I woke up. Oh, I thought, oh, hallelujah, it hasn't happened. See? <laughs> well, I thought, it might tomorrow. <laughs> Back into the Word again. At about three o'clock, I just had to give up. I felt so bad. And by that time, it felt like the bed was going round and round in circles. So I slept very badly, woke up in the morning early, tried again, got nothing, and I thought, well, I've had it. I said, God, I'm giving up the ministry. I've had enough. So I went along to the meeting, and in this place, it was a, it was a large home meeting. There was about 150, 200 people in this large room. And they had a special chair for the speaker there, a big leather chair. And uh, I went to try and sit in the corner, out the way somewhere, in case I, they'd forgotten it. <laughs> Maybe they invited me or something. <laughs> but they said, no, he said, the speaker's chair's here. I thought, that's why I don't want to sit in it. <laughs> if only you knew, you know. Good morning, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. Looking forward to the word. Yes, brother. <laughs> so I sat in the chair, trying to look uh, important, or trying to look at peace. And the meeting started. We began to, to worship God. I will bless the Lord at all times. And, I, and I, I just got involved in the worship. And I forgot all about the word and the meeting and just began to love Jesus. And suddenly, God began to speak to me about various things in the, in the, in the meeting there. And when it came time to speak, I just got up and chatted. And five people were, were tremendously uh, helped in, in their life. And I thought, oh, praise God, what a tremendous time. God said, I thought you were giving up, Dave. <laughs> I said, well, change your mind, Lord. <laughs> he said, when will you learn the lesson? He said, there's a well on the inside. He said, all you've got to do is to be at peace and wait for me. And I'll pull it all up. He said, you know my word. That's Lord, I do. He said, you love me, don't you? Yes, I do love you, Lord. He said, you've got so many things that you could talk about. So many experiences and accounts of my grace and my help in your life. I said, yes. He said, what? He said the well's full. He said, just wait. Don't panic again. Just trust me. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do that. Do you know what? It's been such a relief. The following month or so, I think it was, I had the most amazing time. I went to every meeting, not knowing when I was going to speak on. <laughs> I had a week's meeting in one place. I said, I don't know what I'm going to speak on. I said, we must, we must just pray now before we start. Lord, just help me to know what to speak on. In Jesus' name. Then I speak for an hour. On the third night, one man came along. He said, I had to come and hear you. He said, the, the man has got no word and then speaks for an hour. Now we're like that, I'm saying this because often we can look at ourselves and we can look at the situation and we can feel inadequate, we can feel under pressure as to how we're going to come up and perform on it. And in actual fact, God's put a deposit of his life and his love and his word and his experience into your heart, which if only you'll just pause and stop trying to dig in the sand over here somewhere, there's a well on the inside that God can allow to come up. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I wasn't the very first person ever to fear. Even Peter feared. He got under pressure. Do you remember the time when he was surrounded by a lot of people? Do you know this man? I don't know him at all. Under pressure. We've all made sillies of ourselves in our time. But God wants us not to feel under pressure, to react, but to trust him for 
the love of God, the power of God and the word of God to rise up in our life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And therefore, we can find, if God is not giving me a word now, I think, praise God, God's got something marvellous to give me on the spot. Or, there may be somebody else. I went to one place, the, the book speaker didn't speak one word over the whole weekend. No wonder I had trouble in preparing. See, we need to be at more peace in life rather than trying to feel that everything's resting on our own shoulders to trust what God has put inside us. Amen? Sometimes we can look at people in, in the Word of God and we can try to feel, I ought to be like Peter, I ought to be like Paul, I ought to be like James and John. And we're trying to roll ourselves into one and be every person all together. You know, as meek as Moses, as powerful as Paul. Not right? Bold as Peter, as loving as John. You're going to be pretty unique. All I can be is me. Peter could only be Peter and John could be John. Paul could be Paul. They're all very different. God's given us all a measure of grace and a measure of his love and his life in our hearts. And God wants it to come out through your own personality, your own self, sanctified by the, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now then, we can sometimes think, oh, I wish I had a testimony like that. I wish I had a, I wish I had a testimony of how God helped me when I was under pressure. Ever felt like that? If I could tell people, see? But you never have a testimony of how God helped you under pressure if you're never under pressure. I'd like to have a great testimony of how God supplied my need. Then you'll have to have a need. If you don't want a need, you can never have a testimony of how God supplied your need. Or how God healed me. Then you'll have to get sick. Can you see what I'm saying? Therefore, we needn't look at every pressure, every problem, and think, oh, this is a disaster. It's an opportunity for us to love God and to trust God in the situation where we are. Oh, if I can comfort people, then you're going to have to find God's going to have to comfort you in, in your sorrow. Then you can comfort somebody else with the comfort that you were comforted with, as Paul said. Hallelujah. Now, there's a scripture in Hebrews I just want to read. Hebrews chapter 8. See how it is that we know God, how we know the peace and the power of God in our life. Verse 11, this is the new covenant. They shall not all teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That's good news, isn't it? You still there? It's good news that every one of us can know God personally, deeply, really. It isn't just for a few elite. It does not say they shall all know me from the least to the greatest for they will read their Bibles 12 hours per day or they will pray all night or they will do this or they will do that. The reason that we will know God is, verse 12, for I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. The reason that we can all know God is because we're all receivers of God's goodness. All receivers of God's grace, all, all receivers of God's help, all receivers of God's mercy. I'm a, I'm a receiver. And therefore I know God because God relates to me, he comes to me, he blesses me, he helps me. He embraces me, he comforts me, he lifts me up. 
in the areas where I on my own could not make it yeah. I've stopped trying to make it on my own because it's impossible I need Jesus it's a need that I need I want that need I need friends I need my family I need them do you need yours? Now God's saying, that need that you feel, it'll only be fulfilled with God himself coming to help you. That your life will be a together thing with him. He doesn't say, you shall all know me because you'll attend the seminar. He said, but because I will be gracious unto you. God wants us to experience his mercy, his kindness, his help, his forgiveness, his love, his presence in everyday life and to know that we matter to God that when there's a need, God's near. He hasn't gone. God is reaching out to us in grace. God is not a God that hides himself. God's a seeker, not a hider. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, not that he came to hide himself. God is not hard to find. He's his sort of those that seek him. Amen? Hallelujah. The good shepherd he is. He's known by his own sheep. And, and sheep aren't complicated. It isn't complicated to a sheep. It doesn't go around meditating on the shepherd. Ah, we've got a wonderful shepherd. Bah, you see. The, shepherd, the sheep just know the shepherd. They know he look, he's looking after them. He points them to the grass. They just receive us all the time from the shepherd. They respond to him. He calls their name. They, they run. They run after him. But you don't find the shepherd playing hide-and-seek behind the fold, you see. You see. You think, I'll hide myself today. God's not like that. You, yeah, I mean, you don't hide for you from your wife or your husband, do, do you? Or from your kids. You think, I'll, I'll hide today. <laughs> so, they, so they wonder where I am. Hmm? Boo! Hello! See? God isn't like that. God, God is a revealer of himself. He's a reaching out God towards us. He doesn't play hide and seek. He doesn't, doesn't play games. Jesus tells us in John 14 that he's a God who discloses himself to us. Hallelujah. Now, God wants us then to relate to him like he's here, not like he's over there. Oh God, in heaven. See, heaven is not a place up in the sky. Heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven is here. Amen? I talk to Jesus like he's right here. Thank you, Jesus. Help, help me, Jesus. Not, oh, help me, God. See, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're drowning and you're shouting over the hill, somebody up there, come and save me. It's a bit late. But he's right here, alongside us. And it's, it's important that we understand how to relate to God so we don't make it to be artificial. I mean, the way that my wife relates to me is not by meditation on me. She doesn't meditate on me. Don't think, ah, Dave. Five foot nine and a half, blue eyes, fair hair, going a bit bald at the back. You see. She doesn't do that. She doesn't try to have a vision of me. Does yours? <laughs> Because the reason she doesn't have to do that is I'm here. We share life together. And I believe that we need to, to, to allow our hearts to embrace a Jesus that is, that is near to us. We share our 
life together. We share our love, our feelings, our ideas, our burdens. We talk to God about the things in life that we are encountering, the things that we're interested in. I mean, I talk to God about all kinds of things. I say, oh God, that's a fantastic view over there. You've done a great job in creation. And you meet people who think, God, you've made a wonderful church. What fantastic people. And then you thank God for the cross and for his salvation. You talk to Jesus about everything. He's interested. Do you believe that? You see, again, thinking about natural relationships, they're, they're, they're so similar to, to God. My wife and I don't sit on, on the sofa with bowed head singing a hymn about one another. <laughs> Nor do we pray, oh God, I thank you for my wife who is sitting next to me here just now. Anyone, anyone here do that? If so, we'll pray for you afterwards. <laughs> we don't run our marriage based on seminar principles. We don't sit with the book in front of us right there. Today is, is, is spending time together day. Right, we're now spending time together. How do you know that, that would not be in great life? You don't spend time by sort of sitting side by side saying we're spending time, aren't we, dear? <laughs> spending time is doing things together. It's, even if you're not in the same room, you can be spending time together, can't you? <laughs> the same way. Sometimes we try to hold on to things that we've experienced of, of God, God's goodness and God's blessing. Times we've met with God powerfully. We think, oh, we used to pray in the old days, Lord, let us take the savour of this meeting with us into the week ahead. Well, I never do that with my dinner. You, I never try to take the savour of my dinner through the whole week. Do you know why? I have another one tomorrow. Another one the day after. Another one the day after that. So I, I have several dinners in the week. I'm not trying to hold on to the taste of one for a week. I think we're trying to hold these things with God rather than knowing that we just talk to Jesus anytime we like. We share our heart and our life together with him. Amen? We have another one. I don't think, oh, what a wonderful kiss. I'll have another one. I don't remember the last one. Isn't that right? Oh, it's great talking to that brother. Oh, I'm going to hold that in my heart. No, I go and talk to him again. Build a relationship. It's very simple. See, a relationship with God is like a river of never-ending supply. It goes on and on and on towards us. I won't lose him. He's not going to go away. It's the same every day, every minute with Jesus, isn't it? Hallelujah. Now, in making us secure with God, I believe that the way that it really is rooted deeply in our hearts is that we learn to become like little children because it's the child when it's very young before it's learned to speak before it's learned to talk it learns to be loved amen sometimes we try to take hold of the love of God and the care of God and the kindness of God with our brain and because we've got a bit older and we've met a few people in life and a few have let us down and we've experienced a few hurts and knocks we start judging God very subjectively like we judge everybody else like I wonder if have I said I wonder if I wonder if he means it I wonder if it will work but Lord you know what I'm like see the baby never says that ah didums but you don't know what I'm like I've just made a mess. 
Hmm? It doesn't, it doesn't, never does that. So it's important that we realize that experiencing love and an ability to relate to God and to one another first of all comes back to very early experiences in life of being able to abandon ourselves to a father abandon ourselves to the heart of God see because some things when you grow up you discard them because they're too small you discard old clothes your old toys I hope but when you grow up you don't sort of change your body halfway through it just grows a bit it's like a plant doesn't it if you've got a tomato plant it starts like this and as it grows it doesn't sort of suddenly turn it into a bigger plant it's the same plant growing okay and therefore it's like a house the house when it's built you don't think well the foundation isn't very important we'll remove that out it's the living part that counts otherwise suddenly the house collapses now it's these underneath girding things in life that give us, give us the strength and give us the experience of God that needs to stay with us when we, when we build a life on top of it of doing things and relating to other people in the world see being a child in our relationship with God is not being childish childish means stupid to treat God as a father like a child treats his father is to be very wise Amen? Jesus said, except you become like little children, can't enter the kingdom. Now let me, let, listen, I, I've got a vivid imagination, as you probably realise by now. I, I always think of things in, in terms of, of everyday life. Imagine there's little Johnny in, in, in the pram. And his mum and dad come along and they say, well Johnny, he said, <clears throat> you need to know us son. We are your parents. This is mum, and this is dad. Because if you don't know us, you won't be very secure. Now how many know that would probably go over his head? Or, now then Johnny, you need to meditate on your father and your mother, and think about them, and realise all we've sacrificed to have you. How many know that wouldn't get very far? Or, as you lie in your pram, you may feel a little tingle down the spine. That's probably the love that we have for you, just touching you. <laughs> or, this feeding bottle, son, is the proof of my commitment. Now, as you see the bottle, think, my dad is committed to me. How many think this is a load of rubbish? <laughs> or a lecture on fathers. Fathers are very sacrificial, son. I stayed up all last night for you. Little Johnny doesn't understand a word. But all that he can know, he can feel the love that his parents have for him. Amen? Now we need to stop thinking that love is about concepts, it's about doctrines, it's about abandoning ourselves in simple trust to a father that cares for us in our hearts and in, in our life. Amen? The scripture says, oh taste and see. The way we see is we taste, we experience God. I remember some years ago, many, many years ago it was now, <clears throat> I decided I was a buy record player and uh, I'd, I'd take some interest in classical music and I, I, bought a, I bought a book on it and I bought a book on Beethoven's symphonies and I started to read them, read this book and I was trying to understand Beethoven's fifth symphony and I thought, oh me, whatever am I doing here? Why don't I buy the record and listen to it? 
Otherwise you think, ah yes, there's a very interesting passage here in the, th in the third bar here, and there's this phrase here. Anyhow, I could, there was nothing. It's far better than I bought the record. And therefore, God wants us to open our hearts to him and not to analyze him. Hallelujah. There's a great security in knowing too that we can come to God at all times. That's something kids need to know, isn't it? That the way is always open to come to their parents. It's no good if you think, I'm so dirty today I can't come home. I'd be stuck out in a field years ago. I used to get, I used to fall in the river, I used to get in, into the mud every single day. I always came home, because I knew I wouldn't be thrown out. Sometimes I'd come home with, 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 with you know, tadpoles and all kinds of things. My parents weren't the slightest bit interested in tadpoles, but they still took me into the house, even with my tadpoles. Now I'm saying that because sometimes we, we come to God, we can feel, I've done so many wrong things today, or uh, so far, I can't really come to God. I need to get myself sorted out before I, before I came. Now, I never did that as a kid. I never sort of tried to wash myself before I came home. I came home, I had to wash when I got home. So I'm saying we need to come to God and know that the, the way is open for us to come to him exactly as we are. Whether we're dirty or whether we're hungry or whether we've broken the window, whether we've fallen over and cut our knee, whether we've just come home from school and got 0 out of 10 for maths, come home with our heartbreaks as well as with our good report. I mean, it's terrible if you can only come home and you've got a good report, isn't it? I did well at school, come in some. See? I got naught today, <laughs> garden shed. <laughs> But sometimes we can feel it's a bit like that, that if we come to God and we haven't done too well, it's the garden shed. But it isn't like that at all. I remember a number of years ago, my, when my, my son was, was a lad, he used to get upset because we used to have a lot of people come into the house and uh, he felt he missed out. And he suddenly said, he said, Daddy, so they always ignore me. They always come to talk to you and I get pushed out. How many can identify with him? Huh? Understand what he means? I said, son, I said, you are, you are my boy. And I said, if whoever's here, I said, you always have number one priority. And you can come to me anytime you like. Whatever I'm doing, whatever it is. So the next elders meeting we had, guess who walks in? <laughs> in comes Mark. Hello, son. I, sa I said, uh, what do you want? He said, nothing. What do you think he wanted? He wanted to find out if he got thrown out, didn't he? I said, well, come and take a seat, son. Oh, no, he said, I don't want to do that. He just walked, and he walked out again. He was just testing me. <laughs> Will I be thrown out? But when he found he wasn't thrown out, he knew that I meant what I said. Now, the only way you could do it was actually because he could stand outside the door. I wonder if I'll be thrown out. He might throw me out. I daren't go in case I'm thrown out. Guess what's happening? Fear, worry, imagination getting bigger and bigger in his brain. What he did, he just came in. It's a great thing just to show up to God and say, God, here I am. God says, glad to see you, son. But Lord, you don't know how... Oh, yes, I suppose you do, Lord. He says, yes, but you're still welcome. You think, well, I've done it three times now. You say, God doesn't say, you've done it three times. Out! If God tells us to forgive 70 times 7, I've got a sneaky feeling that my father's going to be just the same. Haven't you? So I can come to God at any time. But our relationship is such that the door is open to him. That God's not too busy running, running the world to be interested in me. That's good news, isn't it? Because yeah. God only made the world to put me in it. And you. 
Actually, actually, all of you as well. All right? God only made the world of us, isn't it? He only put the stars and the moon and things so that we, we could have some light. All right? He only made the trees and all the things so that we could have something to eat and enjoy the place. All that was for us. I think, my father must care a lot about me. Oh, hallelujah. And if it's a thing, I can't come to him. It's a terrible thing to think. I don't mean terrible like God's going to punish you, but it's a very sad thing to think that I can't come to my dad. Now, it may be in life, that's how it's been. Sometimes we have a lot of knocks in life. Sometimes we find that we're not welcome when we, when we really wanted help. We, sometimes we, we've had a clip around the ear when we got 0 out of 10. Sometimes we felt that what our parents wanted was an image rather than us. But my Bible tells me that whatever our earthly fathers or mothers or brothers or sisters or friends may have been, my heavenly father is nothing like that at all. And I have to become as a little child and learn to be secure and receive a promise that's so big that I'm constantly abandoning myself totally and utterly to God. See? I mean, to be thrown out is a terrible thing. To be rejected is a terrible thing. It's a terrible hurt to be rejected. And therefore sometimes we don't make any relationship, we don't make any approach in case we're rejected. Something that we've God. And you think, I can't take it anymore. I remember I said to God once, I said, God, I, said, I can't trust people anymore. He said, you can be very lonely, son. I thought, I am. If you can't trust anybody, that means you never build any relationship. So you solve one problem, you don't get hurt, but you get hurt. You just take on a lifelong hurt. Isn't that right? So I had to say, God, I am going to trust them, but I'm going to have to trust you to look after me in case it happens again. He says it will happen again. The things that, the hurts you felt and things that have been said, he said, it'll happen again. He said, it doesn't matter, does it really? He said, I still love you. What a relief. There has to be for us all that sense that God's love and God's care for us is the undergirding of our whole life, that he never changes always the same the, God, the love of God is towards me and not just the love of God that pats me on the head and says sit here Sonny but the love of God that encourages me and stirs me and provokes me and uses me and has a laugh with me and cries with me and he's my God and my father and we have great fun together even though he's so great he's come right down to, to touch our lives to me it's, it's the most wonderful thing to abandon fear to abandon what ifs and abandon perhaps is and to abandon the thought that if I don't do exactly what I would like to better do then I'm going to get a black mark and to find that there's a way into God's presence and to, and to live like a child of God and what does it mean to live like a child of God? it means like this it means that I know that love is in the heart of God and it's not produced by earning it okay. you hear that? Love is in the heart of God for you and me before I've done anything. In fact, it was there even when I was outside of Christ and didn't believe in him and didn't want him and didn't care about him. God's heart was filled with love for me and for you. Now, it's a great thing to abandon a concept of love as a reward. I find it in God as love because God is love. Amen? Amen? It's a big thing. I have to say to God, God, I'm changing my thinking. 
I receive your love towards me and I'm going to do things for love not to earn love then sometimes we can think of the love of God and say well I can't feel it well I can say well I can't see you you say of course you can't your eyes are shut oh you've just come back you say no we never went away oh you've gone again where have you gone oh hello if I shut my eyes I can't see you but that means you're not there is that right if I judge everything if, if I can't see you've gone if I can see you're there I'm in terrible problems the same thing if I say well I can't feel the love of God therefore God doesn't love me I've just made a terrible error it means at that minute that the eyes of my heart are shut or the ears of my heart are shut like see I, I don't sort of feel this tremendous love to, from my wife every second of every day but it doesn't mean that I think she doesn't love me anymore because I don't feel this palpitation of the heart I know it is, it is a fact that when we come together it is something that we feel isn't that right? Often we have feelings which are false. I met a woman once and she had this tremendous fear that she got cancer. I said, God's telling me you haven't got cancer at all, you've got fibroids. She went to the doctor, guess what, that's just what it was. But she felt like she got cancer. She felt terrible because of the way she was thinking. I remember again some years ago my father came down to breakfast and there was the cat on the breakfast table having a go at the milk and he crept up and gave this cat such a wallop oh but guess what it was a pair of fur gloves <laughs> but all the feelings of resentment against that cat that cat I'm gonna get him take that Tibbles Oh, it wasn't Tibbles. Actually, all our cats are called Puss. <laughs> we never think of a name for them. <laughs> you see, we, we can get all these feelings worked up and they're totally imaginary. I'm saying, we can say, well, I can't feel something, therefore it doesn't exist. The feelings of the, the love of God come because we believe the love of God what the word of God says to us we have known and we have believed the love that God has towards us when we believe the love of God then, then we will presume on the love of God we will come into God's presence to receive his love and we will feel it but if we don't believe it then we'll never come and say I can't feel it of course you've gone because you're not coming but if you come into God's presence oh Lord I come into your presence now thank you that you love me Lord you think no you don't believe that at all you say God I believe you love me it's the confession of, of what we believe that we've, we've said Lord you've said I love you and say God I believe you love me suddenly your heart opens and you feel the love of God God wants us to live that way like a little child let's, let's think of some practical things that we can do to help ourselves in this number one stop stating what we can't feel Lord I can't feel this Lord I can't see that tell God what you can see say I believe your word but we began by singing but your word is a lamp unto my feet it's a light unto my path let's say God I believe your word okay? 
Lord, your word tells me that I love you. And I believe your word to me, Lord. And I believe that you're going to enable me to experience it more and more. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you're going to do in my life. Hallelujah. We begin to confess what we believe. We confess what God says. Then we establish once for all that love is unconditional. That God loves me because he wants to love me. God hasn't got favourites. Do I hear an amen? God's got lots of friends. He doesn't think, like you, like you, don't like you. A little bit for you. It's unconditional. God loves me because he loves me. You don't think of your kids, if you've got kids, that your love goes up and down like a barometer because they've been a little bit naughty. You might get a bit cross. You don't think of throwing them out the window, do you? Love's unconditional. It's mine unearned. Then, the next thing which is very important to me is this, that God loves me, not my performance. God's not all the time comparing me with everybody else. You don't do it like Joe. You don't preach like Fred. I say, of course I don't. I'm me. I always do it like Dave Mansell. You can't do it like me. That's a relief, isn't it? I'm very good at being me. I'm useless at being like you. I'm not even going to try. Even if, you're even, even if I think you're a better preacher than I am, I won't try to be like you. I'll still be like me. Because I can't be anybody else. All I can be is me. If you can prophesy better than I can, praise God. There's certain things I can be better than you can be. That's being me. I'm very good at being me, and you're very good at being you. So here I am, Lord, here's me. You made me. I'm hand-picked, chosen, handmade. God said, I want someone just that, just that looks like you, behaves like you, thinks like you. You think, oh God, you don't mean that. Oh Lord, you don't know what I'm like. See, I'm, I, what do you mean I don't know what you're like? I made you. Well, I know you made me, Lord, but it's, you know, it's a bit, bit bent here and a bit twisted there. Well, she said, well, you made me in this polish, but you're not, not to reshape the whole of you. God, God, God has made us. It's a great relief, isn't it, to think that there's someone like me that God wants to be in heaven. And when I arrive at the door, you say, good, Dave's arrived. Hey, folks, Dave's arrived. I think, hey, here I am, Lord. And we all get the same welcome. You don't think, oh, what, what are you doing here, mate? See? How did you get in? Oh yeah, you're on the list. Back row. It won't be that. It won't be that way at all. There'll be a quick trumpet. Here he comes. Hey, hey folks, I'm arrived. By the grace of God. Hallelujah. My first appointment with the Lord after about three million years. I was just not going to be that way. We need to value what God's made. Not in pride, but to say, God wanted me to be me. God's love is not because he wanted a, a drone to be a worker, an attender at meetings, a seat filler, a Sunday school worker, a preacher, a whatever. He wanted me. There aren't going to be many preachers up there, or wherever it is. How do you know that? No one's going to be preaching up there. I mean, no one prophesying up there. No one will be speaking in tongues. But what's going to be? Faith, hope, and love. 
So we're going to be trusting and expecting God to open up life to us. So we're going to be loving Jesus and loving Jesus and loving Jesus. It's the most important thing. Good, isn't it? I enjoy this stuff. It's, you see, it isn't that you think, well, let's, let's get back to, you know, little, this is kid stuff. This isn't kid stuff, this is man and woman stuff. This is, this is the real stuff of life. There's no comparisons. Many of us may have grown up and we've felt compared all our life. Why aren't you as clever as your brother? Because I'm clever in other ways. <laughs> I met people totally destroyed by comparison. One, I, I remember, his brother and his father were great intellectuals in history. He was useless at history, had a terrible mental breakdown and was in a hospital. Do you know what? He was a fantastic gardener and a fantastic salesperson when he actually believed God. When I said to him, what a relief you failed your history exams. I said, because you hate it, don't you? He said, oh, it's terrible. I said, praise God that you failed. That was a relief for him, to praise God that he failed his exams. <laughs> he said, oh, you should have tried, if only you tried harder. See, like, if he'd tried harder and passed, he'd have been a boring, he'd be so bored, he'd be so fed up being in this stuffy old library, when he loved horticulture and gardening and he loved being with people because as I said, he was a great salesman got on great he was completely delivered by thanking God that he failed <laughs> thank you Jesus anyone here ever failed anything besides me? good thank you God if you failed it, it can either mean it, it can mean you've done no work but it could mean you're trying, to, you're trying to pass in something that you're no good at God never made you any good at it That's a relief, isn't it? How many people are relieved? <laughs> There's certain things that you'll be first class in. Things God's made you to be. Well, if you don't know quite what it is, then ask him. Say, God, I'm not sure what it is yet. But I'm not going to get all concerned. I'm not like my dad or my mum or my sister or my brother. Or the dog or the cat. Yeah? Amen? I'm unique. So are you. And therefore we haven't got to dress up for one another, to give the impression we're something that we're not. Nice to see you, brother. Praise God. Oh, he's very holy, isn't he? No, he's just putting a funny, funny voice on. <laughs> ah. All the holy walks and walking down the aisle, casting the pastoral eye. Oh, how holy. I bet he spent time with God. Think, no, he hasn't. He just put it on so he came through the door. People aren't blessed by seeing this glazed look. Those just things are a holy look. Only holy people. I remember years ago trying to impress people. I read my Bible, I used to rub my, rub my finger on the, on the... and carry it like this so you could see the dirt. It's true. <laughs> this is the thing. It's all true. When I was 17, I used to stand, I always have my photo, I'd take my Bible out. And try to look holy by looking down my nose. Never, I'd never smile. <laughs> I've got a picture at home. I've still got one there. Yeah. Whenever I look at it, I think, dear Father, hallelujah, I've been delivered. Oh. <laughs> I haven't got to be like that. I can just be me. 
I can talk, I can talk in an ordinary way. How with the dress up? You see, and we can we can we can say what we like to God. We can we can talk to God our way. We haven't got to begin with our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father. We come to you tonight, the name, all this stuff, which we used to have to do. It says it's it's David Jesus. I'm here. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. But you do it your way. But just talk to God like you talk and think. It's important. God doesn't judge you. Say right. Okay, prayer, commencement, naught out of ten, <laughs> content, one. <See? laughs> if you put a tape recording of some of the conversations you have with people and played them back, you'd think, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> Don't you? Some meetings are the same, but there we are. <laughs> but but you, you could have had a great time chatting and talking, but nothing world-shattering and incredibly important and massive points you've got to note down the rest have come out but you had a great evening and say listen, listen all jumble and all bit here and a bit there a bit the other because it was life it was people wasn't it so therefore it's important we don't come to God in a formal kind of way you don't find little Johnny when he's when he's one and a half just learning to walk comes to his dad formally he doesn't do it does he don't do it what does Jesus say in the, in the Psalms? He said, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings you've perfected praise. How many know that a wet foodie kiss from, a little, from your kid is better than, than a professional one? Bless you, brother. See? <laughs> Doesn't matter about the food, does it? Even if it was spinach. You getting the message? Ever trying to prepare a prayer to say, you know, right? Maybe maybe for the prayer meeting, you think, right? I'll, I'll begin like this. I'll say that. And by the time you've got round to it, the meeting's ended. <laughs> that happened to me many times. I don't prepare what I'm going to say to God. I just open my heart to God and talk to Him like I talk to you. Like someone came to me once and said, I find it very hard to talk to you, Dave. I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. I said, why is that? He said, I can't think of anything important to say. I said, thank God. <laughs> I don't want to hear things important every day. Do you? The breakfast table, we don't only always discuss the exchange rate. <laughs> how's, the, how's the Deutschmark doing against the pound? Oh, it's a bit up today. Praise God. <laughs> how's the situation in southern Australia? Not quite sure. He doesn't talk like that. Do you? Now, God's interested in other things besides the millennium. And your views on it. He's interested in you. He's interested in your life. He's, in, in, he's interested in supplying your need. He's supplying. He wants to bless you when you're down. He wants, he, if you're down, he wants to lift you up. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're sad, he wants to comfort you. If you're in need, he wants to supply that need. He wants to be a God to you. He wants to be a father to you. He wants you to go through the day, through life, knowing that there's going to be constant string of needs that he will be your supply to. And, and everyone you'll receive with thanks to your father. Great, isn't it? He doesn't want to come and bring an important revelation every three minutes. The important revelation is, is to be normal. Hallelujah. 
God's love is a covenant love. That means he's promised. Isn't that right? The wedding ring says, I've promised. God says to us that the Holy Spirit is the seal that he's given to us of his covenant. You see, God's promised to love me. He's promised that I'm his bride. And he's promised, and he's given me the wedding ring. The Holy Spirit. I've got him. And so have you. Isn't it great? You see, you know, when God asks us to say, I will never leave you nor forsake you, in, in, uh, when he asks us to make our marriage vows and, and promise to be faithful and to live together until death us do part, do you think he's going to do any less? Of course he won't. It's great. God's covenant is God's promise. And I'm going to live in that promise and I'm going to be secure in that. Hallelujah. God's love is not something that I repay, it's something I return. All right? You can never repay love, but you can return it. Some people feel that if you do, them, do something for them, they've got to pay it back. Can you, can you, can you let me have a, a pound of sugar? Here it is. Oh, I must pay you back. No, you haven't got to pay me back. It's a gift. When I need a pound of sugar, you can, get, you can give me one. So there's two gifts instead of two lends. Far, far less having gifting than lending, isn't it? It's a great thing, giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Give to God. Give your love to God. Give your heart to God. Receive. Don't try and pay him back. You can never pay back the cross and the love of Jesus. Can you? But you can just love him. Hallelujah. No fear in love. We need to realize we never have to atone for the sins that Jesus died for. To know that even when I feel unsafe, I'm still safe. Does that make sense to you? I'm safe when I feel unsafe. Help, Lord, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm still safe, because you do. Haven't got the answer, but I am safe. It's what I have to take on. I'm not safe till I know that I'm in terrible trouble because a lot of things I don't know. For example, I know nothing about the future. I don't know what tomorrow's going to do, do you? Except that my father will still be there looking after me. But if I've got to look after tomorrow, then I'm going to carry the whole burdens of the entire world on my back. But Jesus said, he said, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Don't, don't be concerned about it. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen? So you've got, you've got needs tomorrow. You know that you're going to have needs tomorrow. Of course that's true. But you've got a supply tomorrow. You can't eat tomorrow's dinner today. Otherwise you're going to be very sick. Don't try and prove that. <laughs> you can only eat today's dinner. Tomorrow's dinner will be there. I promise. That's God's word to you. <laughs> Isn't it? But oh, well, what about the home? What about the mortgage? What about this? What about, I say, what about Jesus? what about the throne what about the covenant what about the love of God what about his promise to me I believe that therefore I'm going to trust and not be afraid there's no fear in love because love the love of God takes care of yesterday today and tomorrow amen, amen. thank you Jesus there's no fear about things you've done wrong in the past we haven't got to confess reconfess re-reconfess and re-re-re-re-re-reconfess when something's over, it's over. If you put it right with God, it's gone. God's buried it, so you forget it. 
Or if you remember it, say, thank you, Jesus, you've buried it. Just remember it's buried. Don't keep trying to relive the past and try to get forgiven again and again for the same thing. Okay? Jesus said to Peter how he would deny him three times. I don't believe Jesus kept saying, Peter, do you remember that time you denied me three times? How many think that Jesus didn't keep bringing it up? He brought it up once. He said, Peter, he said, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Uh, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Peter, do you really love me? Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And that wasn't three pokes, do you love me, Peter? He gave him a chance to, to say three times where he denied three times. Three denials, three I love yous. Finished. What do you find? Day of Pentecost, there's old Peter up there with the rest. He's, he's preaching the word. Fancy having him out on the platform. <laughs> the main speaker. <laughs> Grace of God, wasn't it? Love of God. I believe that, don't you? So I'm saying, if you're living with memories and things of the past, you better put them into God's forgettery. Get rid of it. If you've never put it right, put it right, but then put it right and put it out. That would be a good hymn, wouldn't it? Put it right and put it out. No, I think we'll leave that one. <laughs> but, I don't, but Lord, what about the job situation? Well, that's in God's hands, not Mrs. Thatcher's. That's a relief, isn't it? <laughs> Mrs. Thatcher is not God. No politician's God. We're trusting Jesus. Otherwise, you know, when the, when the bank rate comes down and interest rates come down, oh, praise God. No, it's praise God if they're going up as well. We're going to trust God if they're up or down. God may have put them up just so that you can trust God. Maybe may be hard, but you think of the testimony if you trusted God. Maybe someone had to bail you out, then you've got a testimony of being bailed out by, by some. It's, it's all the testimony of God's provision in the end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, none of you died because you're here. <laughs> none of you starved because you look pretty well. You're still here. You see, there's still a lot of problems, but you're still here. And you'll be here tomorrow, and in a year's time, when we're here again, you'll still be here. Do you know that? Yeah. We often worry things that, that are so unimportant and forget the big things of God's love and care towards us. So we're safe when we're unsafe. Hallelujah. Now another great thing is this, that with God, God is not serious in the sense that he's only concerned with things which are monumental. God is in, interested in fun. Do you believe that? He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. God laughs. And God cries. God's a, a God of great feelings. And it's, it's great that we can enjoy the things that God's put in the, in, in the world and not just think that we, we, we have to only give ourselves to work, 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 work. It's important that we relax and thank God for it. Do you believe that? Yeah. I thank God for fun. I thank God for friends who can laugh with. I thank God for beautiful views and, and, and nice places to go to. I thank God for holidays. I don't feel guilty about being on holiday. Do you? I don't. I don't. When you, when you get together with the brothers, it isn't all intense. I tell you, we, we, sometimes it's such, such hilarity. You wouldn't believe it. Well, perhaps you do believe it. We're great friends. We have tremendous fun. And we're also very serious at the same time. 
Hallelujah. Love is spontaneous. Don't just relate to God in special times, but talk to God all the time. I don't spend hours in prayer, but I pray for hours. I talk to God all the time. If I'm in the car, on my bike, in the garden, I talk to Jesus. And if you add it up all the time, I talk to Jesus. I've prayed a lot of time every day. Learn to chat to God. If you've got big issues, they get down. But I tell you one thing, I used to get under terrible condemnation because I couldn't pray for very long. Anyone ever done that? We just sing that hymn, Oh, the delight of a single hour, which before thy cross we spend. I could never last more than ten minutes. <laughs> and I'd feel guilty. My wife and I, when we used to try and pray together, it was always a disaster because it never worked out. Especially the time I fell asleep when she was praying. <laughs> so I'm not praying with you again. Now tell do, do you know do you know why it failed? It failed because we said, let's have a time of prayer. Well, about what? Well, just a time of prayer. And I was like, let's have a time of talking, brother. Well, about what? I don't know. Let's just start talking. You can't just start talking. You have to, there has to be some purpose in it. Now, I'll tell you how we've solved that. It's very simple. We pray when there are things that we feel together to pray about. That's in great life. We'll get the whole family together, have a tremendous whole evening of prayer and seeking God and reading the Word. Well, you know, it's the sheer delight of a whole evening doing it. But it isn't right. I ought to pray for an hour. Let's hold our hands for an hour, shall we, dear? Right, okay. 55 minutes to go. <laughs> 50. I mean, doesn't sound great, does it? Yeah. Doing things by the clock. It's spontaneous. And it's planned. It's planned to purpose. Amen? Yeah. God never gets tired of you. Do you believe that? Yeah. Think, oh, blow, here he is again. No. God's always pleased to see me. Hello, Dave. It's you. It's you. Here I am, Lord. And love, last thing I want to say is this, love's always the starting point of everything that we do. Same true in marriage, isn't it? If, if you fall out sometimes, the best place to start to get right is not the issue, it's, it's to say, I love you. Do I hear an amen to that? Once you say, I love you, yeah, and I love you too, and I love you too, and I love you too, then you say, what's the problem? Maybe there's still a problem, but then you can sort it out on the right basis. And when we, when we come to God and when we do things for God, it's always on the basis of our love and our working together. Okay? Something's gone wrong, we've made a disgrace of ourselves, then we get back to Dad. Say, God, I thank you that you still love me. The cross cleanses me from my sin. I want to go on, Jesus. We're under pressure. We don't, think, we don't say, as one person once said, well, in the end I have to turn to God. Or I suppose I'll have to trust the Lord. The first thing we do is trust God. We find that we don't know what decision to make. We don't press on worrying it through for half a night and having a nightmare. What we do is say, God, I can't make a decision. I'm going to put it back onto, onto your plate and I'm going to just rest it and I want you to make it clear for me. Amen. I'm now clear that I've left it with God until I know what to do. I never make a decision without knowing what to do. I leave it to God. I wait till, till it becomes clear. I'm secure, even though I haven't made the decision. Amen? How are we going to pay that bill? Don't know. But thank you, God. You're going to show me how we're going to do it. Don't try to look big when you feel small. Say, God, I'm feeling small. 
I'm feeling little. I'm feeling I need a, an arm around me. Amen? Amen? We all feel that way sometimes. Even the most important looking people. They need sometimes, like David, to hide themselves in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is the starting place. Become like a little child and to love God. Let God love you.